Computer, initialize Holosuite. Another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 2, Episode 24, The Collaborator. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. Absolutely. And again, as I say every single week, you should find us and follow us because we're a lot of fun. You can find us anywhere that you do social medias, Facebook, Twitter, so forth and so on. But uh, I would have to say much more active on Twitter than uh, the others. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, something that you really wish we would do that we just don't do enough of, please hit us up on Twitter and let us know. You can, of course, find us as The Fire Caves. But tonight we are here to talk about The Collaborator. But before we get into all that, David, how was your week? It's good. So this last week was 4th of July, yeah. So uh, I'd actually go to 4th of July fireworks this, this year. Instead, my brother and I watched the last two episodes of Stranger Things, um, which is actually a good season this year around. Uh, they, they delayed the last two episodes by a month, I guess, to you know delay the, the release so that you know people would check in more often, you know, because normally, like we talked about, they drop all their episodes. That seems to maybe have been a bad idea for them. But, um, the yes. Bin, they're putting an end to the Netflix binge watching. Well, I mean, you can binge the first seven episodes of season four, and then they waited a month, and then they released the last two episodes, the last of which is two and a half hours long. <laughs> it's a full-on movie-length film, or an episode. So uh, is, that, is that the end of Stranger Things? Is that, was this no. supposed to be the final season? No, there's at least one more season. They've, they've said... Like the next one's the last one, which makes sense. They've they've set up at the end of season four. It, it there's one more season, but that would make sense if that, that was the end. If that's where they're going, um, I mean, of course, people could drag out their shows plenty, yes. but yes, they, they certainly have set this up for like, yeah, like the big bad is ready to like finalize the story. You know, like they got to beat him one final time type situation. Um, so yeah, it was it was a good season overall. Um, I still think season one is like a classic season. It's pretty good. Uh, the other seasons sometimes have not quite got the lightning in the bottle that yeah. the first season is. Uh, not that they're bad necessarily, but the first season definitely had. Well, it, it and there's a reason that the show is compared to Harry Potter. You know, Harry Potter yeah. has a lot of similar elements, and it also has a lot of success associated with it. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I watched the first season of Stranger Things when it came out, and I remember um, instantly being taken with the show. I thought it was great. Um, they they hit a lot of things out of the park first round out, you know. Um, second season, not so much. Uh, third season, I definitely thought they kind of got some things back, like you said. You right. know, you didn't see some overall evolution of the story. Um, but yeah, the third season was certainly better than the second. But yeah, the first was great um yes. now i have not watched the fourth season right. and i will probably be one of those people who just waits until 
the fifth and final season is out, and then I will go and I'll watch the fourth and then watch the fifth. Right. Gotcha. Uh, the other thing for me, um, watch the first two episodes of Westworld, the new season, as we talked about. Um, there's a like a, a pretty significant time jump from seasons three to four, and I mean that leaves the audience a bit unmoored a bit to what's going on because so many things have happened in the storyline, you know, off screen. But they did do one thing which I was critique I like in my mind was critiquing about season three and they did something in the second episode of season four that I'm like, oh good, I'm glad they did that. This kind of answers a critique I had. Um but so far we're I mean this is a story that's always been full of, you know, mysteries, what's going on. Uh, it's usually what the plot is about is about revealing what's happening this season. Sometimes it works. Season one, it works. Seasons two and three, not so much. Uh, we'll see if season four can pull it out. And then uh, watching the new season of Master Chef, which is back to win. They're bringing back past contestants to to fight it out. Uh, usually, I just watch the season once it's been released. But I there's like six episodes out right now. And I started the first one like yesterday. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then only murders in the building is also in the middle of its second season. So I definitely okay. would like to keep watching that because I told you I liked the first season. Um, but again, I haven't started any of that just yet. So right now it's just Westworld gotcha. and like some, some master chef, but, uh, and then I have a cold. So <laughs> that's always fun. <laughs> is it, is it COVID COVID Omicron? Monkeypox. Um, <laughs> what is it, David? We've got so many things going around trying to kill us all. Well, I know it's not <laughs> monkeypox for obvious reasons. Uh, then uh, I mean, I haven't tested myself, but I mean, I got COVID back in January this year, so I'm pretty sure it's not that. It's just a just some nasal congestion. You know, I don't even feel any pain, like barely well, even a headache. But well, just because you had COVID funny. doesn't mean that you can't get it again. Apparently, no, I'm immune. Uh, hundred percent. You can't no, get it. No, <laughs> you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So they yeah. say, so yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Cause the, it was when I was off from work that I, like the next day I started feeling a little something, something and not like mm. terrible the first day either. But I was like, what the heck? Like I was at home like all day the day I would have gotten this, I would think. But you know, turns out I did go out and grab some food. So if the, you know, the attendant who brought my food to me <laughs> had well, something. Who knows? I'm, I'm not trying to brag, but since lockdown, I have not been sick except for when I actually got my COVID vaccination shots. Yeah, that was one where it. you were knocked out for like it, a full 12 hours. Yes. And your daughter was like, oh my God, daddy's dead. Right. <laughs> I have I have not been sick otherwise. So we are running a... We are just on it, man. If there was some kind of weird award you could get for lockdown, uh, perfect attendance, man. I've got it because I have not <laughs> not been sick, nothing. I have been completely fine. Right now, right. definitely, you know, knocking on the wood of my desk and everything else here right now because watch me turn up next week and be like, oh my god, I've got everything. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so far I'm doing a pretty good job of staying uh, quite healthy. And I mean, I. Still go grocery shopping, still go to the gym, still doing all those things, but um, I just really haven't haven't caught anything. So that's good. Yeah. Well, what's new with you? Well, so pretty similar, you know. It was the Fourth of July, so was with family and friends, you know, for a large part of that. A um, old family friend uh, 
came down and was hanging out um, and stayed at my sister's place for a while. And then, uh, unfortunately, her um, return home got delayed because travel during the holidays and any time around the holidays is always a nightmare. Right. So she was actually supposed to go back, um, I think, yesterday or the day before yesterday. Um, but everything got delayed, delayed, delayed until finally it was just outright canceled. So last update, she's still here. <laughs> Oh my! And I made the joke. I was like, "Well, you know, I know a great apartment locator. They can help you find some places. <laughs> Maybe you can just, you know, make Move it a in. thing." Yeah. Now, this this happened to her last year. Only last year it was even worse. You know, we got her all the way back to the airport, and she ended up waiting in the airport forever, and then finally coming back and again staying with my sister. And then she was here for like another like two and a half weeks at that point, dealing with delays and reschedules and everything else. So right. hopefully it doesn't take that long. Uh, I'll check to see tomorrow if she's still here or not. But uh, yeah. Um, other than that, I um, got a surprise gift from a friend of mine who's actually coming to town in a couple of weeks. It was a globe, um, a glass globe whiskey decanter. So it's it's again it's obviously glass it's it's the globe the continents are etched on it so oh. when you fill it up with whatever you like to drink which for me I'm a whiskey drinker um, it's a nice brown color in the clear glass and then of course the etching you can see the um, continents very well and then nice. it comes with two matching glasses that also have the etching of the continents on it it's very nice I used to have one a long time ago but um, you know. Certain mitigating circumstances, breakup, exes, all the other kind of stuff, led to it unfortunately being uh, destroyed. And I kept saying to myself over and over again, I was going to get another one. But here we are, some, you know, six years later, and I finally got one and I didn't buy it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I don't drink that much, but it's still a very pretty thing to have. And I like it now sitting up on my. Uh, little countertop here you know so i'm i've been enjoying that and then uh david i'm sorry i know that i said i would watch the west world but beyond <laughs> that beyond that 15 minutes i initially tried i have not gone back to it i don't know what it is about me but it's like i really have to like i, I don't want to say be in the mood for a show or whatever but it's like i have to really i guess want to commit to it but i i, I mean i'll get there hopefully it doesn't take me as long as it did say <laughs> game of thrones like, yeah. I didn't watch Game of Thrones until it had already been off the air for, I think, two or three years. Yeah. And then I finally sat down and watched all of it. And then, of course, you got to hear all that when I finally finished. It was like, right. uh, great show, but terrible ending. Oh, gosh. Um, on, on that front, by the way, I did read recently that uh, George Martin has already said that the way that the ending of the show was is not actually how it's supposed to end. And he's like... <laughs> Apparently, he's got some kind of like excerpts or tidbits or whatever that are showing his next book are already a great departure from what we saw at the end. Yeah, people yeah. who are real um, sticklers, people who really know the books well, would be able to point out the differences the show started making early on. My understanding, and I read the books, is that basically around season five is when enough of the changes had been you know, building up. And that's when he also he has five books out. They had eight seasons, supposed to be seven books. So that's basically where things really did start, you know, drifting apart from the paths. books. Right. And I mean, 
I guess the thing about me is like, you know, if George, let me, let me put it this way. I want George R. R. Martin to tell the story he intended to tell. I don't want him to change his story because of anything that happened in the show. If the show yeah. knew he had the way it was going to end that way and they told it and they tried doing their best version of his version of the story, I want him to stick to his version of the story. I don't want him to change anything. But I can also say that I didn't like the ending of the show. <laughs> well, from from what I read, it was a, just a, a short article and it was just saying that he's already said that um, in the subsequent books that he, the book that he is currently writing that he's supposedly finishing soon, right. there is a departure from that. Whatever the ending is in game, in the show Game of Thrones is not how book. his book goes. It does not follow. So you're just going to have to wait for that to come out to see what it is. Also, um, as you know, I am a fan of of the 90s and certain aspects of 90s culture. Right. And I have found myself once again sucked down into the the downward spiral that is the show ER. Um, that show is just a, just, it's a collection, smattering of every 90s, 90s cliche, trope. trope, whatever you want to call them. I mean, they're all in there, and man, are they glorious. Like, they just don't, <laughs> they don't hold back. Like, none of this stuff, like, I mean, I was watching some episodes today, and I mean, it was just every other case, every other episode, every other worry was HIV and AIDS, which was, you know, very, you know, highly, I guess, sensationalized. Yeah, back during the '90s. Um, also, right. everybody everybody smokes. Everybody drives, um, which is funny because they live in. And I guess I haven't figured this part out yet. If they're supposed to be in Chicago or New York, I think it's New York. Um, that would make the most sense to me. Right. Um, but they haven't they haven't legitimately said, "Oh, hey, we're in New York." So maybe, or maybe they have, and I've just missed it because the episodes just man, they just run. And there's always so many other things going on that honestly you're not paying attention to the location. Right. Um, they've got the the single dad who doesn't know how to handle his Kid. young daughter. You've got the other new dad who is overbearing and he's he's just awful, right? And then you've got the struggles of balancing the career with the kid but the guy is always being like oh if you're not man enough to handle like all the extra macho cliches i'm just waiting for somebody to come through with like a buzz cut and extra muscles just ripping out of their white you know their white overcoat and you know <laughs> just arnold schwarzenegger needs to swing in somewhere you know just there's just a lot of stuff that's like it's interesting to watch and and look at it and then also, not just looking at it for entertainment, but also like looking back and thinking of other shows that came after this one and how much they've drastically changed, right? Right from from now to then. Like, there's still a lot of things about the procedural that hold the test of time, and you can see those elements in other shows. But then there's just certain other things, like no one smokes in shows anymore. The rush to find a payphone is not a thing anymore. At all. Um, or a corded phone, for that matter. Everybody's got to run to the desk to use the one, you know, corded phone or whatever. That's not something that you do. Nope. The beeper, the pager, it's everywhere. Everyone's got one. Now, granted, that was always like the thing we knew the doctors seemingly were supposed to have. But, man, like just, again, everyone, <laughs> everyone has one. There's there, No one exists in this world that does not have one. Um, you see the beginnings of, I guess, a more prevalent trend of uh, 
gay lesbian individuals in the show. Um, there, just just a lot more of that than I guess now we kind of take it as a, a I guess more commonplace. Whereas here you can kind of see it was like the beginnings, right? You know? There's not quite so many characters who follow who fall into that particular line, you know. So again, very interesting to see kind of like the evolution of TV right. while watching this show. And then I found out today the show has like 15 seasons. Couldn't believe yeah. it. I was like, how George was like, Clooney was in season one or two, right? He's in. Well, I'm in. I'm currently in season uh, four. And he's been in every season so far. So I don't know when it is that he leaves. Okay. But, um, yeah, like, and that's the other thing I was going to say. Like, so many familiar faces, like, hardcore stars are in this show or have been in this show, have popped up as guests or um, as just one-offs. Like, did you ever watch um, Parks and Rec? Because if you did, Nick Offerman is in uh, an episode. Really? And I was just, I was so surprised. I was just like, I almost didn't recognize him, but I heard his voice and I was like, I didn't even know that he was acting back then, but there he is, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, yeah, we've already said George Clooney, you know, he was there. Um, Mariska Hargitay, who I just always thought was always on Law & Order SVU. I like just she never, never did anything ever right. else. I just, ever. I just always assumed that like, well, I just assumed that she probably had one of those careers where like maybe she was like a model somewhere because she's always she's a very attractive woman. Right. I just assumed that's how she got her start. She was a model somewhere. Maybe she did a little bit of acting somewhere or another. And then she got was her. discovered right. and became Olivia Benson. You know, that, that's <laughs> who I know her as. But Where's lo and behold, she turned up in ER and she's like, She's in it. She's not just a one-off. She's a recurring character who's quite popular in the show. And I was like, I couldn't, I was blown away when I realized it was her. Huh. Um, yeah, there's just so many like that. And it's nice to discover. Um, William H. Macy. I had no idea that he was in ER. And then here he is. And he's like, again, very prevalent role. But, um, you know, I was watching that and then thinking about that, but also the number of people who were in the show who were really good. But I can't for the life of me think of anything that I've seen them in other than ER now that I've been watching it. So it's just like, for the people that did pop out and became megastars, again George Clooney is the easy go-to here. There are so many other characters, actors, who who were great in this show that I just I never saw them again. Right? I I can't think of anything else that they were in. So um, it's, it's interesting to watch and not only notice that but also just to notice those little things that were like distinctively nineties, you know, right. Cruising down the street and the guy, he's got his, his, uh, fancy car and he's so excited because he has a CD player. He just got a CD player in the car. <laughs> and I was like, no one uses CDs anymore. Like, yeah, you know, it's yeah. just it's stuff like that. That really was yeah. cracking me up the whole time I'm watching it. So yeah, my CD really collection is right here on my desk. I'm looking right at it. And I remember when I was very proud of it. And now I haven't – it's dusty as all get out. It is right. just not been touched. Not that I'll listen to the music. It's just it's on my computer. It's on my phone. I can listen to it right. that way. Um, it's like I, I have gonna, a CD player in my car, and I've never used it. Right. Never used it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like I've got Bluetooth. Why do I need a CD player? I right. couldn't even find a CD to play in my car right now if I wanted to. <laughs> right. Amongst the the – the wine and the, the whiskey tumblers you've lost. The CDs have also found their ways into <laughs> in various places. Oh yeah, sure, for sure. 
Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's so interesting to watch those shows and get that weird blast from the past of these things that were not just commonplace, but they were sought after. And right. now we just like we don't use any of those things anymore. Right. Yeah. So interesting. It would be of and of all the shows that I've seen lately that they are complete blatant remakes and ripoffs of, it's interesting that no one has attempted to reboot ER. You know? Well, I guess like there a, are like enough shows reboot. that are not necessarily direct reboots of ER, but are just, you know, hospital procedurals. I mean, sheesh, um, Grey's Anatomy's been around for probably 15 seasons all by itself, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm no expert there, but... Um, I yeah, but... feel like number of shows, hospital procedurals come and go. I mean, House was a big one, but that's a totally yeah. different concept. It's yeah, I mean, a... as you think about it, like, there was a lot of... And I remember, you know, when I was little and ER was on TV, it competed against that. There it is. There's the confirmation. It competed against Chicago Hope. That was the other medical procedural that was on at the time. So Chicago Hope was obviously in Chicago. ER is New York. Gotcha. There you go. The only thing I know about ER, because I never watched it, but apparently one character dies because a helicopter drops on him. Has that happened yet? Or That has not happened yet, but I had heard about it, and I've been intentionally trying to stay away from like doing Spoilers. any like yeah. YouTube or whatever. I want to I get to it naturally. I've heard there right. are some pretty spectacular, dramatic deaths of pretty... Um, Pretty uh, important characters, and so I'm like, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna stay. I'm not gonna look at any of that. I want to just come into it as a first time viewer, which is what I am. Well, when that you happens, so, let us know. <laughs> oh yeah, don't worry, I will. And you know, and it's all on Hulu right now, so you can watch all 15 seasons and nice, uh, nice. and enjoy it. So uh, I say all that to say, I will get to Westworld. I promise. I just <laughs> I don't know what happened and why I got into ER, oh, but I, I did. And... You you tried watching it, you fell asleep. It kind of like killed your enthusiasm because you were kind of confused. I don't know. Maybe right? maybe that's what happened. Like since I didn't stay awake to watch it, it just kind of upset me, and so I'm like, I need to find something else. Well, like you remember the first five minutes, and so now every time you go back to watch it, like I've seen these first five minutes, but then it starts getting hazy like real fast. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, what's happening? Anyway, and then, anyway. and then of course my other show, The Old Man. Uh, oh, right. I, I have not watched the newest episode of that one, mainly because the last one made, upset me. So, and not you in a good way. Like, no, no, it was a bad upset. It was not the something happened that was kind of gripping or whatever. It was, it was, it was. I think it was just lame, uh, and not to spoil it too much for anybody who may be watching it or whatever. But you should have watched it by now if you're following along anyway. But one of the main characters makes a demand of another character that I thought was unreasonable. Um, she she's basically blackmailing him, and I don't I don't like it, especially with like she was given so many different ways she could have been out and done and not be held liable or culpable or whatever, and instead of just taking the out, she's trying to make him feel guilty and blackmailing him, and I don't like it. So I was just like, uh, I'll have to put this on pause until there's like. A few two episodes. to three episodes I can yeah. just binge watch and get through it. Right. So yeah, we'll we'll return when there. It's the, so this was episode five that came out that I did not watch. So I'll return to it when we're on episode eight or nine. Then I'll yeah. watch it. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. But after all this time, we are not here to talk about all those other great shows. We're here to talk about this great show, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, Ooh. the Collaborator. So, David, 
Would you like to give our summation? I think it's your turn. Is it my turn or is it your turn? Uh, doesn't matter. I'm just asking. I can do it. <laughs> Why don't you go for it? You go for it. All right. So again, with these uh, summations, we're just hitting the highlights. We're going to get into everything else, so don't worry about it if we miss something. Um, this one starts on Vedic Burial, which, okay. Uh, I already have an issue with this guy. Uh, so anyway, it starts on Vedic Burial. It's all hazy. We're to realize he's having an orb experience. He is walking from the Bajoran Temple on Deep Space Nine, and he is kind of wondering where everybody is. There's no one around. And then he ends up running into Major Kira. He asks her for help. And then all of a sudden, this hanging man drops down in front of him. Um, they lower the body down. He says it's some guy... Um, Prylar, Prylar Beck. Yeah, Prylar Beck. And Kira's like, look again, it's not Prylar. And then it turns out to be Barayo laying yep. there. And this is when he essentially wakes up. Okay? Um, he, We next see him... Um, I guess we're to assume... He's at least shirtless, could be naked, whatever. He's right. in Kira's quarters after it's in, you know, middle of the day. And Kira wakes up and she joins him. And we find out that there has been an election process going on on uh, Bajor. And in two days, the new Kai, uh, the successor for Kai Opaka, who we know died in the first season, or yeah, died, I say, yeah, quote, unquote, quote unquote, died in the first season. <laughs> Um, her successor is going to be named in two days, and it looks like Barile is the odds-on favorite. So Kira is like, yeah, that's going to be great. You're going to do all these great things for Bajor, even if we don't agree with, if I don't agree with all your politics, um, but you're still going to do great things for Bajor. Um, Barile seems to be overall kind of hesitant a little bit, but then he eventually um, comes around. Um, he seems to be really kind of caught up on being the successor to Kaiopaka. Right. Um, we next see them, Kira and Barayo are on the promenade and they run into uh, Vedic Wynn. Yep. And Vedic Wynn is teaching some kind of lesson to the children and she says something which Barayo kind of disagrees with. Basically saying, um, I don't believe that the prophet's love ever had any kind of condition. It was always unconditional. Right. And when says something that just, it grates on me. She's just like, thank you, Vedic Baral, for showing us how easily a prophecy can be misinterpreted. misinterpreted. Yeah. So her the, the comment is two folks. It's, in a way, it kind of, it does acknowledge what he said, but it makes it's it to where she's basically him. saying, yeah, that, that you're wrong. Right. You know, without saying it, she's right. saying that he's wrong. Right. Um, well, let's see. Uh, there's a little bit of a back and forth between uh, Wynn and Kira about potential concessions and increasing security on the station. And then they kind of uh, break apart from that. Um, at the same time, this is all going on. Some old dude steps off of a Bajoran transport onto the promenade. He's walking with the cane. He gets passed by another dude who recognizes him as Kubus, Senator Kubus. This causes a big uh, ruckus right in front of Odo's office. Odo comes out. He also recognizes Kubus and realizes he is infamous somehow, that he had been living on Cardassia. The guy indicates that he decided to return home. And right. so Odo promptly places him 
under arrest. Right. Um, the next thing that we see is Kubis is being led away and he passes wind and they share a look. Right. All right. Um, then after that, we see Barrio is having um, another orb experience. Right. And in this one, he sees Wynn and I think Kira's in it. And Kaiopaka actually shows up. Right. The Kaiopaka, she's actually back for this. Right. So they do their little, you know, mysterious, whatever this orb thing could mean. And we also see Pryler Beck. He approaches saying he's got a gift for Barile from the prophets. They open the box up. There's a snake in there. She tells Barile to accept the gift from the prophets. He says it, of course, because it's a freaking snake. Um, but he reaches his hand in. And when he goes to pull it out, it's not a snake anymore. It's a noose. And this is when he wakes up. Right. Um, We now go back to the holding cell where Kubis is. And Kubis is trying to tell Odo about, you know, going home and being released or whatever else. Kira interrupts and she's just like, oh, yeah, you can never go home. And she lays it out for him as to what happened and the law that's stopping him from going home. He looks pretty sad. Um, sad old man trying to, you know, return to his home, but basically he's been labeled a traitor. And so that's in particular, a collaborator, which is important to this episode. Yeah. Yes. And so he is never going to be able to go home. We then see Cisco for the first time talking to Wynn and and Vedic Wynn is all, Hey, I'm aware that people don't think that we like each other. And that just upsets me so much. So how about we go and like meet with everybody and say, you know, how much we, have a great friendship. And Cisco's like, yeah, how about we don't? Um, he's basically saying, you know, in a way, I'm open to it. However, we're going to have to do this after your election because I don't want to be seen as playing any kind of favoritism. Right. Wynn brings up the fact that though everybody knows he seems to be more friendly towards Barayo, that he also has not in- publicly endorsed Barayo. This is important because... We can't forget that Cisco is seen as an emissary of the prophets. Right. So he, he holds keeps a special place the yes. whole time, and it's annoying because yes. it's like, "Quit, shut up, you." Right. And Cisco and Cisco's not really comfortable with being the emissary. He right. he's accepted the title, but he's not. He's still not comfortable with it. Right. And so it's very clear to him that she's doing this basically because she wants to up her standing with the people before right. the election um, two days from now. So when Cisco tells her no, she kind of is upset about that. Um, Kira is then later, uh, next thing we see is Kira with um, Odo because she's been informed that Kubus is on his way home. Um, To Bajor. Yeah. Yeah, on his way home to Bajor. She calls Dax, this is the first time we hear Dax, and demands that um, Vedic Wynn's ship be stopped. And then she confronts Wynn about what's going on, and they find out that Kubis has agreed to name the true um, collaborator of this right. infamous attack. The massacre. And the, yeah, this infamous massacre, the um, Kendra, the Kendra Valley, the Kendra Valley massacre. Yep. And 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 in in, in uh, cooperation, the spirit of cooperation, who's doing this, she's going to let him go back home where he's. I guess going to die. Right. Um, and it's important to note yeah. that part of the reason that this massacre was so infamous is because Kaiopaka's son was one of those killed. Yes. So again, this guy is claiming that he knows secretary Kubis knows who's really responsible for the massacre. 
who was truly the collaborator in that instance. Wynn has promised him sanctuary because he has this information. And that's where this conversation with Kira right. is happening. Yeah, keep going. And so Kira and Wynn confronts Kira about stopping her ship. Um, Kira's like, oh, you can go home anytime you want to, but uh, he's staying here. And um, Wynn's like, you can't stop us. She's like, oh, but I can. I could tie your ship up for weeks doing all these security sweeps and whatever else it is. So that's when Wynn's like, fine, if you want to be a part of this, you can be a part of it. I'm charging you to investigate this matter and find out who the true collaborator is. So this kind of pisses Kira off a little bit because anything coming from Wynn pisses Kira off a little bit. And Kira decides that, um, you know, she's going to do the investigation anyway. Um, Even though no one's going to believe Kubis or whatever, she's going to do the investigation just to see that Wynn is firmly put in her place and firmly uh, further away from power as possible. However, as they're continuing to do this um, um, investigation, they come across the name Prylar Beck. And this is where they um, discover or knew that Prylar Beck was the collaborator. And they just don't know the full extent of who Prylar Beck's contact was. And that's what Kubis is saying. He's like, yes, we know about Prylar Beck, but Prylar Beck was taking orders from someone higher up. And that's the true collaborator. And that's what I'm trying to get at. And he names Burial. He's saying it was Burial who did this whole thing. And it's important to note that Beck committed suicide. So that vision of him hanging in the noose is all a reference to the fact that this dude hanged himself and wrote a suicide right. note. Uh, right. So we, he, he confessed to it, but insinuated there's more to what's going on. That's right. where this guy is like, I got... I got that information that's missing. So anyway, keep going. So then Kira is able to determine that prior to Pryler Beck's death, he did meet with Burial. Burial, when she confronts Burial about it, Burial is like, oh, you know, this was, you know, a man in deep pain talking with his Vedic. I can't reveal what it is he said. Kind of the same way that, you know, priests in confessional don't reveal what was said in the confessional. And, um, you know, this, she kind of upset, accepts this, but she doesn't. Still doesn't sit well with her. She ends up going to Odo's office. They're talking about it a little bit. Odo agrees to say, see what he can find through the Bajoran Central Archives. And as they're talking, she reveals that she's actually in love with Vedic Barile. Yes. Odo gives her this weird kind of look, but he's just like, "Yeah, I kind of knew that. Um, I could always tell you humanoids don't hide your feelings very well, so forth and so on." They are able to access some information, but then they find out the records are sealed. They can't figure out who sealed them, but they realize the only person who could actually seal the records would have been another Vedic. So now this kind of aims things right back at Burial again as being the potential collaborator. Right. Um, They then go to Quark's. Um, Quark is uh, kind of on a high alert because he's got both Odo and Kira in his um, bar. Um, but they convince him to kind of do some uh, digging around for them. And they're able to uncover the uh, record that shows who in the Vedic assembly would have uh, sealed the record. Right. And that's when it's discovered that it was Burial. Um, Odo helps with that. Or I'm sorry, um, O'Brien, O'Brien helps, helps with that, with that. part out. Yeah. Yes, O'Brien does help for the, they find the retinal scan. Right. They're able to piece it together, and that's when it's revealed that it's um, it's Burial, and that the scan. files are empty. Yes. Yeah. He deleted everything. 
So now we see uh, Burial yet again having yet another orb experience, and this one is where Parler Beck is basically accusing him of being, you know, someone who like let him down or whatever. Um, let's see. After that, he is met with Kira again, all in the vision. He right. finds himself with Kira on Bajor. She's saying he's a gift to the prophets. Opaka shows up once again. Um, and then they kind of realize that it's time for him to accept uh, accept his role, accept who he really is and what he's done. Or to a certain to a certain degree, anyway. Right. Um, he he passes out, and then we're back with Kira. And Kira confronts Burial. Burial lets it all out as to what happens, and Kira is kind of devastated about that. She is trying to figure out why he would have erased the records, but he's not really saying anything um, about it, and that basically he's kind of laying all the blame at his and Pryler Beck's feet. Well, um, what he says is is that he knew that the Cardassians were going to... He admits that he did con, he revealed the information to the Cardassians through Kylar Beck, and that the reason he did so was because they he knew the Cardassians were going to like kill thousands of people yes. searching for this you know, resistance group. They were going to obliterate a whole village looking for a resistance group. So, so he gave up the, the resistance fighters in order to protect the civilians. Yes. Um, and so Kira says... Uh, this will destroy our wind will destroy you now. And he says, no, I've destroyed myself. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. I was trying to keep that as a topic, a talking point later. Oh. That's okay. Sorry. That's okay. So anyway, um, again, he gave up the resistance fighters, including, uh, Kyle Paka's son, who was fighting in the resistance group. Um, <clears throat> they go to ops. Kira relays the information uh, or goes to relay the information, but suddenly it stops short when they receive a message from the Bajoran assembly, basically saying that Barail has already conceded and the choosing ceremony has already taken place and the new Kai is Win. She is now no longer Vedic Win. She is Kai Win. So now any slip ups I make, we are, we understand why. Because I made some <laughs> I made some several episodes ago. So after uh, see after Kai Win is fully confirmed and Kira kind of accepts that she now has to call her Eminence, which thrills Kai Win to no end because I think she always hated the fact that Cisco was the emissary had a special title. Now right. she's got one. Right. So now we're coming to the end, and basically Kira realizes some things don't add up. She did a little extra digging, and she finds out that the true collaborator was actually Kaiopaka, and that her son was Pryler Beck, and that Pryler Beck no. had told his mom. What? I don't know about that part, but keep going, keep going. <laughs> anyway, he had told his mom about the upcoming um resistance fighters where their location was going to be and he knew about them potentially putting this village at risk um so kyle paka is the one who basically transmitted the information which led to the kendra valley massacre and that 
Burial covered up for her because he felt it was more important that the Bajorans had a spiritual leader they could rally behind and that any notion of her being tied to this massacre would have obliterated any chances at having a united um, uh, Bajor. Right. So he's now accepted his place as just being a regular Vedic, and he and he basically tells Kira that it's their job to guide um, Kai Wen to obey the better angels in her life rather than the demons that seem to um, rise up in her. And that's essentially it. Right. This you is a long, complicated, detailed episode. It is, yeah. which is why I was trying to hurry up and get through so we could actually talk about it. I know. But, I just I feel like we got to hit the right points. And I, I just, just want to say, I don't think that the guy who hung himself was um, the uh, Kyle son. Yeah, he wasn't her son. It was that her son was a part of the resistance movement, one of the 42 that was killed. He was just a guy on the, on the station when the Cardassians were in control, and he's the one who delivered the information to the Cardassians. Um, at Kaiopaka's behest. That's my understanding. Okay. Yeah. I was pretty sure that Prylar Beck was her son. I mean, she does have a son, but he's the one of the one that was four of the forty-two resistance ki- uh, fighters were, that were killed. He was one of them, and the reason that's okay. important is because it looks like someone betrayed Kaiopaka. But when it turns out Kaiopaka sacrificed her own son to save twelve hundred people, um. It means that Vedic Burial is defending Kaiopaka's reputation, not himself. Uh, he's sacrificing okay. his own reputation in, on behalf of her. So I've already mentioned this before, actually. The noble lie is a yes. is a theme in fiction sometimes, and this is a story about a noble lie. Vedic uh, a couple Burial. of them, a couple of noble lies, right here. Yeah. So uh, to protect the honor of of Kaiopaka and exactly. what she meant to the Bajoran people. Right. So yes, um, a very complex episode delivered in uh, an hour here. So, um, but first thoughts, first thoughts when after watching this episode, what were you, what were you thinking? <laughs> so we just saw Vedic Burial, I think about I don't know seven or eight episodes ago when we did that three storyline episode where he came and Kira and him kissed for the first time, and mm-hmm. we talked about how why we weren't so thrilled with Vedic Burial. And I was thinking more about it for this episode. And for me, it's, it comes down to his relationship with Kira. He doesn't come off as a very charismatic, I don't know how to put it in any other way, charismatic partner. You know, um, he's no Chad. He's more of a simp with her, and to use that <laughs> word. Um, he, he, he's looking for her approval. When she says, you're here to relax, but you have to go today, and he says, well, I'll just stay. I'll just stay here with you. Um, and she's like, oh, okay. Like, he's so desperate to get her approval, and it just comes off as lame. And the person to compare him against, of course, is Cisco. In the very first episode of the show, we got to see the flashback of him meeting his wife for the first time, and he comes off as flirtatious and funny and witty, and he was he great. He was definitely into Jennifer. Exactly. He- and it was fun. You got to enjoy that. And I don't have any fun with Brile. Brile is a is a yeah. wet rag. He's bland. He's I mean, that's part of who he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be kind of this calm guy, which it it seems to fall apart because he's he seems so desperate for Kira Kira's approval. And he calls her Narice. That's actually her first name. 
Every yes. time he's talked to her, he talks to his Norris, which is a little off-putting sometimes because you're, you're not used to hearing Norris. And then you, when you realize, oh, wait, that's her, her real name, that's her first name. Um, you know, it's not Cisco, it's Benjamin. Um, but I just feel like, as I said in that other episode we did, like, he he likes her because he wants, like, she likes him because he's a Vedic for his religious importance, and he likes her because it's like he wants to prove that he is more than a Vedic to her. I, but You know what? You're, you're right. Like, I agree with that. I think that it's, they're... They're opposites, but that's also why they don't work. Like, you know, we always hear right. that thing about opposites attract. Right. I don't think that's the case here. Exactly. Like, she's into him because he represents a type of spiritual peace that we know that she longs for. Remember in the episode where we actually did lose uh, Kai Opaka, right. Kira has a breakdown at the thought right. that, that Opaka may view her as this violent individual. Right. And, and Opaka's like, you know, you got to understand who you are right. and not be afraid of who you are. But right. I still think there's a part of her that wants to be viewed like them, very spiritual, right. very peaceful, exactly. very benign. Right. And then Beryl embodies all of that. And yet yes. I think that he wants to be more like her. her. And that's yes. why he seeks her approval. She's he wants the aggressive to be, one. Right. She's a go-getter. She fights right. for things. She's mad when she's mad and she's passionate when she's passionate. And he's not. Yeah. And it's like – if he wasn't a Vedic, and if he also wasn't nearly the the Kai, I almost think that she wouldn't like him. She likes his position. She likes what he represents. I don't think she actually really cares for the man that very very much. Um, we've never really seen her pine for him. We've never heard her like when she says "I love him." I was like, "Yeah, I don't believe it. I don't believe you love him. I, you're in love with the idea of him. You're infatuated like a new couple. You guys are infatuated with your." you know, idealistic version of the other person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every relationship has that to start, but these are grown people. I mean, Vedic Burial is at least 45 and she's like 35. So, and, I don't know. You know, and, and just to get the chance to talk about that, uh, you know, the Cisco scene where he's hitting on his wife, I still feel like that was like one of the best things that I had ever seen. He gave her that line um, about yeah. her mother, and yeah. she was like, "Your mother is gonna." He said, "Your mother is gonna love me," and she's right. like, "You used that line on all the women." He's like, "Never before, before and, and never, never again. again." Yeah, it's I a was great like, "Man, part line. he was he was into Jennifer from the moment that he saw her, and it's just, yeah. it, I loved it. Right. Absolutely loved it. Ben Cisco smooth. Yeah, he smooth. was he wasn't just batting back you know balls as they came at him. He was. He was like a swordsman. He was parrying and, mm -hmm. and you know, swinging. He was great in that little scene. And again, Vedic Brile is none of that. And so, again, it's not like everyone has to be Cisco. You know, not everyone has to be just some flirty. But wouldn't it be great if they were? No, I know. I know. I mean, really, it would be. But, again, I never – let me put it this way. I've never seen – Vedic Brile doesn't come off as someone who is – willing to really fight for something like the whole bit about him might be coming Kai. We've it's, it's show, not tell. They, sh they don't show us why people think he might be the new Kai. All we hear, we are just told that Kai Opaka liked him, that she picked him as her successor. That's right. We, we hear that he's like the top pick, but we never see anyone, you know, come up to him. He hasn't and earned it. Exactly. He He's earned never it. earned that. And, you know, it's funny when we talked about how Wynn says, oh, you remind me how um, it, is, it is how easy it is to misinterpret prophecy. Like, in that episode with Kira where they first kiss, 
that was her critique of him. Like he had just given a sermon. He says, how do you, what you think about it? She says, I liked everything except the actual content. <laughs> you know, like I didn't like it. And at the beginning of this episode, he says that he's trying to convince her to vote for him, even though they don't agree. So it's like the two of them are just there to, to get down and dirty. Like the two of them are just there to get down and dirty. And that's all it is. And it's because the both of them, you know, Kira is a hardworking person on yeah. the station. She doesn't have time for this. So it's nice that she can hook up with a real important religious figure that she likes for his bit. And then he can have his little his, his little fling. But she's on the station, so she's away. And, mm-hmm. and <sighs> I think that this suffers also because the – and I have no – Way to back this up. This is just a thought, all right? right? So don't kill me, people, when you listen. I just feel like the writers did not know how to fully exemplify a relationship in the context of Star Trek. Um, this is something that we've seen happen time and time again on all of the other shows. They have gotten better with it as time has gone on, but to to give a relationship the kind of significance and the power that it needed to really kind of make a story like this one work... This wasn't it. This right. relationship didn't do it. The two characters are too opposite of each other. Right. And we didn't, we never really see enough of them having a go at it and making it work, right. which is when it's the, it's the classic problem of this kind of storytelling, because it's just like, there's so many things that they really want you to make several leaps with, but at some point you just got to do the work and you got to lay the stuff out there. This episode would have been served much more if we had a couple of things. One, more development of the Barial character. He's always seemed very weak. He's always been very pale in comparison to the other um, characters that we see on the show. Right. I've always said he would have fit in great on Next Generation um, and the way they kind of handled those more like one-off characters that come on sporadically yes. he and, and, and counselor troy could have had a great episode together yeah could have had a great episode together even if they wanted to do them as kind of like a weird you know fling or whatever those two would have worked better right. but on a show like this one where we were where we're seeing the evolving complexities of kira and we don't see that in Brile, he definitely stands out as someone who is a stick in the mud he does right. he doesn't change he doesn't show any growth and that's what's kind of needed here and it's like suddenly all of a sudden yeah like all of a sudden we're given all of this depth of this character. He's this complex man who's covering for this um, this pillar in their community, and he's doing this extra stuff, but it still doesn't ring as true because everything we know up to, up, about Barile up to this point is significantly less. Doesn't It doesn't make it make sense. Right. So we needed more character development there. We needed more time with the character. We also need to see more development of their relationship. See him and Kara going to things together, doing different things together. We just don't see any of that that makes us believe they're actually a couple and not right. just a one-off fling whenever one of them is either on the station or on Bajor. Like it exactly. Just, it doesn't, doesn't work. Right. So we and just needed a lot more. Yeah, and I think for me in particular, I, so I take my religious beliefs seriously. And for me, you know, this character is supposed to be a very religious person, but I don't think he has any real world comparative. Like, I don't know of any major religious group that would accept his, you know, like, let me put it this way. The, the, the group of religious figures that Americans are most used to is probably uh, Catholics, you know, and Catholics mm-hmm. are no, notably celibate, you know, monks, nuns, you know, they don't engage, they don't mm-hmm. want to get married. Now, I don't think that 
I, if I were to be in charge of the Catholic Church, I don't think they need to do that. I think, you know, if people want to get married and still be religiously affiliated, I mean, I'm a Protestant. That's how we do it. You know, you could be buried and be all kinds of things. Um, but for me, what really just rubs me the wrong way is the idea that this religious figure who is supposed to be basically in the running for Pope, effectively, in terms of Bajoran politics or religious figures, and he has like a mistress on the side. And it just like it just rubs me wrong. It's like so that's not two how things. things. Go ahead. Yeah, I got two things about that. So one, this is probably the most common issue that people have in regards to anything sci-fi that even remotely touches on religion, because right. we have a tendency to assign our own personal mores to the role, and we sure. really shouldn't. We really shouldn't. It. I mean, it's okay. I feel like to look for certain parallels because those help us to kind of get into stories but to expect them to behave under the same kind of um or whatever that we do would be incorrect their religion that that's a that planet has a whole different evolutionary tale so why their religion is the way that it is it wouldn't necessarily i think it would be bizarre for it to match with ours too i have a response for you on that well go to your second point after that yeah yeah, the second point one thing we must not forget is that the Bajorans went through a hellacious war and occupation with the Cardassians. It True. fundamentally changed every single aspect of their um, their culture, their economy, even their geological development on their planet. We've seen episodes where so many different things were forever altered because of the occupation of Bajor. So who knows if maybe a hundred years ago they may have had Vedics who were celibate, but then because of the war and all the rest of it, maybe they couldn't be that anymore. And so this is now we're seeing the generations that have come after that. Kira says that she, you know, grew up, you know, first 26 years of her life were under Cardassian control until they finally started fighting back. And then that, you know, eventually was, there were still another 10 years of that before the Cardassians left. So a lot of hardcore changes that really we, you and I, have never been through. We've never experienced. So right. I wouldn't, yeah. I, we wouldn't really be able to say how having something that would impact our, our species on such a global level for so many generations, how that would really affect us and how that would ultimately play out in things like religion or politics or any of the rest of it. Well, I'd have to... I just disagree with you there because the idea behind religious beliefs is that they are timeless. And for example, Christianity been around for 2000 years has experienced a lot of things, but certain things have held true. And in particular, the one thing I was going to say to your first point is the idea of self-control that we're supposed to maintain self-control of ourselves and not just give in to our impulses. And I feel like that's what Vedic Burial has done with Kira is he's just given into his impulses. I don't know the man well enough or his religious beliefs, to be frank, to know what he would consider morally proper or correct. Right. And therefore, I don't really understand what it means that he's so great at being a Vedic. Um, now, I will say, at the end of this episode, we do have some respect for the guy because he has made a sacrifice. He's not the Kai. Uh, he has sacrificed his own reputation in order to protect Kai Opaka's reputation. So I don't think that he's like a bad dude, per se. My point is, is that um, a lot of religious, part of what religion is, is um, engaging in certain behaviors, including self-discipline. And part of that is 
sexual discipline. You don't just well, follow your, your instincts wherever they lead you. And that's kind of how I feel like he's kind of yeah. gone. Um, I don't see him. He just seems to kind of be going with the flow a bit with, with, with Kira. And well, and yeah. again, the only thing I want to point out on the whole sexual aspect of it is we, we just don't know if that is something that the Bajoran Vedics ever had to not engage in. We're, Certainly. We just, we just oh, don't yes. know. I mean, heck, we've even just found out this episode that Kaiopaka had a son. Their, their Pope yes. had a son. Well, so yeah, it seems I mean, like it seems like having sexual relationships is allowed for them. Right. But I do agree with what you're saying in the sense that um, that Burial seems to be less um, less focused. He's more just kind of going with the flow up until he meets Kira, and now he seems to be really desperate for her approval for some reason. Right. Whether or not that's tied to just their sexual relationship or not, I don't know. He right. does seem to have some kind of fixation with her. Yes. But I would not say that um again sexual relationships are off limits to um to the Vedics. Now this also brings up another problem that we see in Star Trek, which is the mishandling of religion. And this comes from people who either don't understand it, didn't like it when they were growing up or having to experience it, or um, a whole host of everything in between, right? right? And I can't say that's all of them. There may be some people who are deeply religious who write Star Trek or sci-fi in general. Uh, that's totally possible. But when you get all that kind of mixed in there, you're going to find areas of inconsistency. And this is just this is just one of them. And I think that's something that we're going to have to put up with because pretty much all sci-fi I've ever seen that ever touched on religion right. had these same kind of mishaps, plot holes, inconsistencies. Right. I will say that Star Trek is probably the only one that's done it to such an extensive degree, and we see that not just with the Bajorans, but also with uh, the Vulcans and the Klingons. Um, the inconsistencies and all that kind of stuff, but again, they they at least made a very valiant attempt to give you a fully as fully fleshed out a religion as you'll probably find in sci-fi right yeah I, I yeah that makes sense um yeah i'm not trying I, to give him a pass yeah. i'm just saying uh because as you said you you are a religious person i don't i i'm not i right. don't follow any particular uh, belief or tenant at, at this point in my life i know there was a time when i used to in fact i was actually raised catholic but i just gotcha. don't i i don't participate anymore right in any of that so um well, it's interesting. i guess well, the thing that's also sticking out to me is that I mean, again, the thing is just kind of part of the whole bit is like it doesn't seem like Vedic Burial has an intention behind his behavior. Yes, is he trying to make Kira? Is she his side chick? Is she the woman he wants to marry? Do Vedics marry? Like we don't know if they even marry or if they just you know they have kids but they don't you know yeah we, marry. We don't we don't know. Maybe, maybe Opaka's husband was murdered and, in the occupation. And to be totally fair, possible. we haven't seen enough of a Jordan society even know what marriage looks like in their That's culture. true, too. So, That's true, too. We, there but, are so many things about them that we don't know. For them to be so prominent in the show, there's a yeah. lot we don't know. Yeah. A lot and we then don't know. For me, the kind of cherry on top for that is at the very end, when he's confronted him about the whole Kaiopaka was the one who did it, and he says... Um, well, she says, what does this mean for our relationship? And he counters by saying, what does she want it to be? And she kisses him. And so for me, it's like she's the one who's kind of driving this. 
And I don't know. It's like, now, would you say that that's a problem that you have as a man? Who well, you I feel like, like you feel like I, you should be. Well, I you think, would be more in control. Uh, yeah, I'll put it simply. Yes, I think men are supposed to take some leadership responsibilities, especially with you know in a relationship like this. It's intentional. You know, it's usually men who ask the women to marry them. And so for me, it's like the man is just passive with his relationship with Kira. He's he waits for her to respond to him. As opposed to like chasing after her and pursuing her, and I don't know. I just feel like he's not—he's so not he's, Cisco. You know, Cisco is a very—he's a very beta male in this. I don't want to. Well, I did call him a simp earlier, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as we can see, these are the these are the changing things that I was talking about earlier when I was talking about uh, you know ER in the nineties. These are those these evolutionary you know, cultural changes that we see from television then that we don't see now, right. you know, um, it's not to say that we don't, there's not still some of that in, in current television, but I think that there has been a push more now towards, um, um, equality or I guess egalitarian status in yeah. relationships, uh, a, a need for both partners to be viewed equally from the outset versus, either one taking the lead you know the we had the shows in the 40s and 50s and whatever else where the man was definitely in the lead and, and in charge and made all the decisions without question all that kind of stuff and then we kind of see here through the you know 70s 80s and especially in the early 90s here this change to where there was a the man kind of was supposed to take a backseat and kind of have this gender role swap situation and now we're into a more again equal standing equal footing all that kind of stuff so it's interesting to watch it play out especially on a show that is supposed to be far flung into the future and they're still dealing with the same kind of issue and you've got this guy who yeah like you said he's definitely taking all the cues from kira he's letting her be the driving force in this relationship but it also if you're going to give them credit for anything, that would be something that would fit here because Kira has always been a person who seemingly takes charge. Even from the first time that we met her, she was already in Cisco's office arguing, taking charge, trying to lead, trying to do things. That is who she is. Right. So making those kind of decisions is definitely in line with her character, but it also we also see that she doesn't always want to be that person. Right. And she's starting to take steps to evolve beyond that. And that's another thing that flies in the face of Beryl and her working. Right. Yeah. <sighs> a lot of wanna... good stuff in this episode. A lot of good yeah, stuff in this episode. I don't want to bang on that drum too much. I mean, there's other stuff to talk no. about. Um, in particular, if I can change the subject. Yeah. The scene where uh, Wynn goes to Cisco was fabulous. Fantastic oh my goodness. Scene. Cisco yeah. had that look of a man who's about to eat up. Like he, he's a predator. He had that predatory smile that like she, like when he, when he turned around and she was in his room and he greeted her and he had that big old smile. I was like, what the, that doesn't make any sense. Then as the scene went on, Oh, oh he is playing 40 chess. I mean, she is there to play 40 chess, and she plays it hard. Oh, I I was so sorry I misunderstood you last year. I, I, I thought you were, you know, you were going to be a challenge to Bajoran society, but I didn't mean that in a negative way. <laughs> and he's, excuse me, and he just 
plays along, you know, like, oh, I'll I'll go with you down to the surface, but I wouldn't involve myself in Bajoran politics. That's not my role. And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 of course, of course. And then at the end of the episode, uh, we didn't mention this yet, um, She when she comes out as the Kai and she greets Kira after they're done talking, she yes. says, uh, tell, tell, tell Cisco, Cisco I don't need will him. have to wait, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't need him anymore. Um Oh, we also there's also the scene where you know Kira is confronting Win about you know taking the the guy back to the planet, and Win, um, like she's being all nice to and Kira, kinda. Yeah, but and then, then she the end, slaps her verbal slap there. Yes, do you remember the line? Do you want to say it for us? She says, um, "If you oh, know it's crap. wise." If She's like, the next time that you want to stop me or something like that. It says, the next time you ever talk, you'll never talk to me that, like that way again. She says. That's right. Yeah, yeah. she says, um, one it's last so thing, s- my child. Yeah. Yes, my child. If you know. Oh, my yeah. child. Yes. I, she's like, I know you're under a strain, but if you know what's, what's good for you. what well, yeah, if you know, if you're wise. Yes. You'll never speak to me in that tone again. Yeah, that last part of that, that she gets like. Furious, her face yeah. torched, and she loses control for a quick second. But up till that point, she had been as sweet as, you know, sweet Ugh. as cotton candy. Um, so I, we should watch this episode, and it's, it'd be a fun drinking game. You got to take a shot every time she says, "My child." Be, <laughs> you will definitely be dead by the end of the episode because that woman—that is her phrase, "My yeah. child." She yeah. just. Ooh, that, and she that's knows also the how meme. to wield that. Um, oh yeah, that's also the meme that goes out there all the time. Whenever anybody does anything, it's Kai. Uh, yeah, Kai Wins face pops up and it just says "Breathe in my child." You know, it's great. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, ah, oh, she's. And now we're getting to see the true. You know, the true win is coming out. Her right. ambitiousness, her scheming, her maneuvering, and now she's Kai. We knew she was dangerous when she was first introduced to us. She's already tried to assassinate Vedic Barile. She helped blow up O'Brien's uh, school. She's right. just been awful to Cisco, which I cannot forgive. Nope. And, you know, and now, and now here she is. She is. She is the Kai. Right. And so you know, you got to take a second and you got to appreciate that because it's like. If if Barayo had been made Kai, right. there would have been there would have been no other conflicts. There would have been no other issues in regards to the Bajoran people and bringing them into the fold of the Federation, which is what Cisco and Star Trek and Starfleet Company are there to do. They're, that's right. the whole point. So Barayo would have made that a very smooth, easy thing for them to do. But now, Wynn, who has been a direct antagonist to Cisco this whole time, suddenly being in such a powerful, influential position, no end of trouble in right. sight with this right. person. So definitely a lot of conflict introduced just with that masterful stroke. So we definitely will have a lot of win. Yeah. A lot of win. No doubt. Yeah, and that makes sense. And um that scene where Brile is having one of the orb experiences and he turns around to kiss Kira and it's actually her. <laughs> oh you know, God, right? You know, her hair was out and she has like you know kind of reddish hair like Kira does. You're like, oh man, okay, maybe there's a resemblance there we didn't expect. <laughs> oh, uh, what if Win is what if Win is Kira's mother? <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm sorry. Spoilers or not, I, I couldn't. No. Kira. And when are not related. I, I have to say that because so. yeah. that would. I just said it to, even for to me. I've watched this show. <laughs> I've, I've watched this show too many times. I knew that I shouldn't have even said it. 
Um, for those of you who listened who know this show, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, what what an interesting twist that would have been if like somewhere down the line, yeah, the whole six my or whatever, the whole my child line would have had a whole uh, new meaning. Yeah, right. Oh my god. Oh my god, I would have hated everything. Right. Yeah. Um, I also love the scene with Quark. You know, Odo and Kira. Mm. You know. Don't even pull good cop, bad cop. It's just two bad cops showing up. Right. And uh, they're like, we know you can get into the into the files. We need you to. So as soon as Quark is useful to them, oh, they yeah, make they have... use of him. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, guys, come on. <laughs> I guess it's one of those, you know, better the devil you know. You know yeah, and, yeah. And, but it's Quark... great because he's like, he's like, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, I didn't do it. And he's like, relax. No one's accusing you of anything. He's like, today's still young. It's great. Rule of acquisition 285. No good deed, no good goes, deed unpunished. goes unpunished. It's like, yes. ah, the first earthling version of a, of a rule of acquisition has uh, shown up in the, in their rules. Um, uh, and then uh, when he uh, starts doing it, he doesn't like have any trouble. He just walks over to the area. Odo looks over. Is it Odo or Kira looks over at him? And, uh, He's like, this is going to take some time and, like, dismisses them. <laughs> He's like, he pretty quickly agreed to do it. It's not – I'm like, dude, aren't you, like – Odo's watching your every move. He's going to see what you're yeah. doing and stop you but next it, time. I don't know. Once, a, little... once again, it just goes to show you that they have this kind of love-hate with him. I mean, they, that – again – Odo and Quark in a scene make it great. And this is like, you can always add in one other player and the scene is great. We talked about this last week. We had Odo, Quark, and Cisco, and it was great. Now we have Odo, Quark, and Kira. And again, great. It's just like, he's like, another great part of that scene, he's like, all right, what's going on? You want something from me, don't you? And they're like, "Uh, how'd you guess? He's like, it's simple. (laughs) You've been in here for more than a minute and you have, oh yeah, Kira's like, it's simple. We've been here more than a minute. We haven't insulted him, threatened him, or arrested him. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, it's yeah. great. They, they, everybody does such a great job with stuff like this. And I mean, it's almost like it makes me wonder if that's how they feel. Like I know they wrote out the whole thing, but it's just they do these little scenes so well, and then it all just kind of fits. You don't need to have every single thing in between filmed to put these little scenes together and make a great show. And that's what they right. do here. The great showing between again, Odo Quark and Kira here, Kai Wynn and, and Cisco, which that's the only scene Cisco is in the whole episode. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And he absolutely eats it up. He's yes. fantastic in his delivery. And here. that I is mean, all sis. That is all. Um, oh, what's his name? The actor. Avery Brooks. Avery, Avery Brooks. Brooks. Avery Brooks made that scene so great again. Cause when he turns around, he's got that, creepy smile on that yeah, smile that says yeah he does you've walked into the lion's den are you sure you right. want to be here <laughs> it um, says i ate but i'm still hungry and yeah he's just, i mean the man very underappreciated i'm just gonna have to like he was not appreciated at all for the right. stuff that he was throwing out here um in this show i mean Again, that's probably the biggest problem of the 90s, really. I mean, you had a lot of great performances, but because it was also a sci-fi show, and for some reason back then, you know, a lot of sci-fi was looked down upon or not treated as seriously as other TV shows, you know? Right. Um, and then, of course, there's all the, the we have to, you know, acknowledge the, the racist vitriol that came with the first black captain on the 
in Star Trek being featured. You know, so there was a lot of things that really played into this show not getting the attention that it deserved. And I'm so glad that, you know, years later it is recirculating and I keep seeing it popping up over and over again on as like best sci-fi or under again, underappreciated sci-fi. It's been called that multiple times, you know, critically acclaimed sci-fi. It's it's definitely finding its resurgence and it deserves it. And in no small part performances like this from Avery Brooks. So right. one scene and that man just totally owns it. Right. Yeah. Um, the other scene that I was, that stood out in my mind at the time um, and goes back to the whole Vedic Burial being kind of a bad <laughs> romantic partner to Kira. When Odo, when, when Kira says to Odo, I love him. His look oh, at her, yes. it's like horror and disbelief. And then he like tries to play it off as like, oh, I knew the whole time. Which yes. actually tells me that maybe the maybe the writers also knew that it wasn't going to make sense and work. And they wrote that in there. So I get to give you a little behind the scenes. I was waiting for this. Oh. So the actual truth of that is no, they didn't. That was all improvised by Rene Aversion Moore. He did that. <laughs> so the story, the story goes that when they were delivering the wine and they, you know, they had done their little rehearsals or whatever else, no one really thought anything of it. But when they, you know, actually did the legit filming, they caught that look from Odo to Kira completely by accident. And it was when they realized that there may be something else that's going on between the two of them. And it became kind of the, the unrequited love. Oh, storyline. So yes. So oh, this, was, and this was all oh, done. This is oh, all done because sense. I thought he was just reacting to Burial. No, no. it. oh. It's, it is it, this moment. That look is attributed as the moment that the, the, Odo, Kira, Kira everything Burrell, kicked off, oh, right? Man. And and it's totally one of those. That even the even the directors, the writers, everybody has said they went back, they watched the episode, they saw it, and the way he looked at her was so much that they just were like, "That's it. That's the thing. We're gonna work this out. Huh. So we're gonna we're gonna work with this. So if okay. if if they hadn't caught it and if Renee hadn't delivered it so well. We wouldn't have it. So, oh, yes, it's shocking. once I mean, again. It's, it's one of those, he, like, jerks. He looks like, it's yeah, like he shocked does. He and looks, horrified. And, and, and then he looks so sad. He looks like he just, he lost something. Like, maybe he, yeah. we didn't realize, there was a hope he was holding on to that even he didn't know about. Right. And all of a sudden, it's just revealed on his face. And you can't help it when you watch it. It's like, oh, wow. Like, I, I remember watching it and being like, oh, Odo loves Kira. And just like, you didn't have to tell me. But then I, to find out later on that that was just a, a happenstance, yeah, well, again, makes it even better. That actors make their characters just as much as writers do. Writers can oh, yeah. write, but actors give characters they flush them out. You know, the skeleton yeah, that the writers ones. give them is yeah. flushed out by the actors. Yeah, um, good good ones know how to really make that persona come alive, and they they embody that. Right, and he and he does a great job of that. Yeah, Renee is that fantastic. Moment, yeah, he's having to act through that. You know makeup slash prosthetic and that moment was a perfect example of how he can do it pretty fantastically you know, he, he, he's yeah great absolutely and so one other behind the scenes uh thing to note this is the final episode of deep space nine that would air during the same run as star trek the next generation really yes oh. 
So this was it, because then the next episode of the TN of TNG would be the finale, All Good Things. So you got to watch the first part of All Good Things, then you got to watch this episode of Deep Space Nine, and then you got the finale the next week of All Good Things, and then that was it. That was it. Uh, uh, right. Next Generation. Right. Yes. So that was it. And after that, the only Trek, so, so yeah, it would be the only Trek that was on would be this, would be Deep Space Nine. Until... Um... Voyager. Until Voyager started in in season, uh, does I think Voyager starts in season four of Deep Space Nine. So for I'll, a I'll full season, that. it was just yeah, gotcha. Just for a full Space season, Nine. it was just Deep Space Nine, and then Voyager comes along. Gotcha. Well, that means I'll also have to watch uh, what is it, um, Generations, the movie Generations. At some point here soon. Yes, so that'll be coming up. I'll be able to tell you when you can finally finally watch that because it's coming. Well, so. isn't it after season two, basically after season two of Deep Space Nine? I could step uh, in. Right now, or, I mean, not that it has to be, I guess, but yeah, I guess that's true. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So after, yeah, that's right after season two because then, um. Yeah, because all good things is over with. Then you have Deep Space Nine is running now. So yeah, season yeah, anytime in season three would be a great time to watch um, Generations. Generations. Well, I'll probably watch it as soon as we finish the finale of season two of Deep Space Nine, and whenever we start season three, we can open with you know talk about Generations as well. So all we right. got two I'm more episodes. Is it two more episodes left in this season? I think is it two? I thought it was one, but I could be wrong. So yeah, um, but yeah, a lot of great stuff that we've got in coming up for all of us. And of course, as you should all know by now, the only place to watch all this great Star Trek is, of course, on Paramount Plus. And because... they have ads. Dang it! Ah, uh, Netflix. They... There were no ads. Well, uh... you, can, you can you can get the ad free version, but it costs extra. And uh, quite frankly, I'm not willing to do that. I can. Yeah. I use the ads for bathroom breaks, which you know what? It's amazing. Like. <laughs> Because that's what I've always used ads or commercials for. But now that we have ad-free streaming, you just you don't get that break. You just got to pause everything, which, I, I mean, no big deal, I guess. But there is something about having that ad break in there and getting up and walking around and refreshing your drink or using the bathroom or whatever it is you got to do. You can still pause the show, but just having well, that's that break, what, that's exactly I don't know. It, though. That's exactly it. Like, I go to get my drink or whatever and it takes me longer than however long the ads were so i still gotta pause it and so i pause it before the ads are over and i still gotta watch the damn ads well see i don't do that (laughs) i always pause after the ad if i if i know it's gonna take me that long i always pause after the ad so So you still sat through the ad before you paused it in most cases what i do during the ads is like i will you know obviously check something on my phone i do something with my kid i'll get up move around whatever and then if i'm still doing stuff and the ad is over i'll just come back and you can just rewind it real quick to wherever and then keep going right you know, no big deal either way you have you have the control you can rewind it you can pause it you can do whatever but i still like the ad i've well, i've come to appreciate the ad once again because i can do more stuff right so it doesn't the ads just don't bother me anymore Right. Um, the way they used to. So, and now all the ads are like oddly the same. Like you'll watch the same car commercial like four times. And it's just like, okay, I wasn't gonna get the car the first time right. I watched this. You're wasting so your I'm money, not... Nissan. Right. Yeah. 
And there was right. one Nissan commercial I remember on YouTube. There was a 30-second ad, and it never had a skip option. And it was one of those that the music and, like, the, the tagline was dumb. Like, there are uh-huh. some taglines and some ads where it's just insulting, like how low, cheap, and dumb it is. I remember that. I don't remember exactly what the line was anymore because I intentionally silenced it as soon as I saw it from then on. But I remember just hating it and being like, I'll never buy a Nissan ever again. I hate this commercial so much. Like, that's how I'm going to stick it to them. And then my great aunt passed away and I got the car she had and it was a Nissan. So I drive a Nissan now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, funny how things work out. Yeah. (sighs) But we are coming up on the end, actually a bit over. In our time, um, <laughs> so uh, that happens. That happens sometimes when we get so much to talk about. You yeah, know? Um, we, we didn't start are... recapping until like twenty-five minutes in this time. <laughs> hey, we have a lot of other things, and everybody can appreciate uh, that we yeah. just went we're a little not, bit over. Yeah, we're not just a Deep Space Nine podcast. We're that and more. <laughs> yes, but we will be wrapping this up for you all. I just wanted to touch real quick on the fact that, again, you can find all Star Trek on Paramount Plus now. Um, Star Trek Strange New Worlds just wrapped its first season, and I hear they've already wrapped on the second season. So they're really kind of, you know, getting this stuff out of the way and, you know, and getting the wow. episodes ready to go. So I kind of like that. Um, Star Trek Picard is also already done with its uh, final season. So hopefully we'll be getting that released soon too. Discovery. Um, I think they were done with their next season, the fifth season, a long time ago. So really, it looks like we're just waiting for release dates for everything now. So go ahead while you can sign up, get Paramount Plus while it's nice and cheap, or you can spring for that uh, ad-free version that David is now strongly advocating. (laughs) (laughs) But um, other than that, we will catch you guys back here next time. Again, this is The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. So until next time, take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys.